unique value proposition. That's that's what Web3 is. Welcome to Web3 Talks. I mean, this is Web Talks now. That's going to take just a little bit to get used to, but this is a show where I talk to internet builders or I talk about internet building. Web Talks is about anything internet and web-related news, technology, new marketing tactics, just cool stuff. And the only thing I really care about is unique value proposition. What's going to make you stand out? What's going to be different? What's a new way of doing things? Not even that. What's the new way of doing things? Are you going to get left behind? The answer is yes. Most people are. Time and time again. I've been telling people this for a few years, not a very long time. Some people have been saying this for five to 10 years. Get with NFTs or get left behind. Uh, honestly. NFTs are not monkey pictures anymore. NFTs are being developed by JP Morgan. I mean, not NFTs in particular, but tokens in general. So the NFT stands for non-fungible token. Tokens, what's a fungible token? A fungible token is just a coin. Why did I just break that down? Because it's important to know. Crypto is not going away. NFTs, I mean, it's all the same stuff. It's technology built on the main technology called the blockchain. And uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about Hollywood in just a second. <laughs> but, and then blockchain, the blockchain in brief is... It's a record of transactions that is unhackable. And when we talk about unhackable, I'm saying if you had a quantum computer, maybe you could crack it in 10, 20 years, right? And then eventually we'll get to the point where maybe you can crack it in five years. I mean, hell, even if you could crack it in six months, the rate at which the blockchain grows as a technology, just like everything else, and if you're professional listening to this, you know what I'm talking about. Technology grows like that. Security for different technologies grows like that. Uh, web tech, I'm, uh, just, I mean, just the simple fact that once Web 1 came out and we had all these dot-coms, uh, the secure... I should know what this stands for, but the SSL layer... <laughs> where when you connect to website instead of HTTP, it's HTTPS, right? So what am I, why, am I, why am I saying all this? Blockchain is if you took the record of transactions of anything in any context, the books for a company, the change logs, or every little thing that has changed in the code on a website, the patches for a video game, the data that you signed up for on Google, your, your Google login, all of your passwords. If you took that and gave, I mean, forget the Google password thing because, I mean, um, that's just going to make some people uneasy even though it's still secure. If you took that and gave every person on this blockchain network a copy of that that 
that's that's what the blockchain is. Is everybody has a copy of this record of transactions, and so even if for some reason in this hypothetical scenario where a blockchain, any given blockchain, even the most secure ones, even the most insecure ones, if somebody hacked into it and for whatever reason, um, got the same information that everybody else has. Uh, that's the other that's that's the other piece of this that I'll touch uh, on this. And they manipulate that data. The way that the blockchain functions is it's almost like its own consciousness. Um, you know, for lack of better terms, and to make this easier for people to understand, right? To dumb it down, but also that kind of is what it is. It's its own thought process, and it's almost like a hive mind where if one person changes something, the rest of the 10,000 people on that network have a copy of the stupid ledger. That's why people don't understand. There's no hacking the blockchain. There is none. There's this 51% attack that people talk about in, in proof of work, and I'm not even going to mention the differences between these uh, consensus mechanisms is what they call them, and they're complicated. Uh, I, I'm sorry, it sounds complicated. It's not, but I don't want to cover that because I, I feel like that's kind of like a uh, uh, more of an advanced topic. But the different ways the blockchain verifies itself, essentially, it all boils down to the same thing. Does it, is everyone in agreement? Is everyone in consensus? Everyone on the on the network. If you have a laptop, an iPhone, if you have a MacBook, if you have a Windows Surface computer, if it's a thing a machine that can have a Wi-Fi connection on its own. Uh, they call it a node. Uh, I mean, this is even just in the uh, in internet terms before Web3. So anyway, all that to say, unique value proposition or unique sales proposition. You got to have one. What is yours? And am I saying that getting into Web3 is not a unique value proposition? No. No. So I'm going to tell you about a struggle that I've had for, um, well, I'm sorry, that I had with my business when I was starting to um, grow it. And not even that before, when I was studying entrepreneurship um, academically in, in school. Something I never realized is that there, it's not enough to just have a unique value proposition. A lot of Hopeful entrepreneurs will say, especially in my generation, I would say I'm Gen Z. I'm kind of on the cusp between millennial and Gen Z, but I I, I am Gen Z. Um, you know, for better or for worse. <laughs> and in my generation, there's a lot of hopeful entrepreneurs who think that just because they have a dream, they have energy, people like them. And even minus everything, just because they have a dream, just because they have the illusion that everything's going to work out. Um which, by the way, I'm not saying it's not going to. And that's a whole other conversation on its own. Um, you know, bringing the future you want into your reality. I'm talking about being delusional and missing puzzle pieces. And what I mean by that is, again, it's not enough to have a unique sales proposition, okay? Uh... Let me come up with just a, a quick example. Let's say that, because um, I want to come up with a well-known company just to prove this quickly. So if I 
think about the unique sales proposition of T-Mobile. Um, that's one that everybody's familiar with. I've talked about the three carriers in another episode. Um, T-Mobile's unique value proposition, uh, I don't know exactly how they phrase it, but it's that they are a... They're a cell data company that is different than the rest, right? Focus and emphasis on being different. And then the difference, <laughs> I mean, the difference, the difference between them and Verizon. Verizon is just known, uh, is seen as the first one. They're seen as the best one, the original. When you think of cell, you think of Verizon. And then when you think of, uh, I was going to say Sprint, but they're part of T-Mobile now. When you think of, uh, what's the other one? AT&T. That's kind of the cheap one now. I mean, you even you even go to their website. I'm going to go to their website right now. Um, AT&T. Okay, so you go to their website. I mean, even their logo, it just, it just screams. It screams cheaper out of the three, out of the three. Because, again, in marketing, there's a theory that if you, if you look and you – Assume that this theory is true. Oh, and by the way, beautiful AT&T's website using material design. I can see it. The buttons, the the fonts. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful website. Um, and I, I need to point out, well, further to my point, if you compare this to the other two biggest cell networks, this out of the three is the cheap. So um, I think it's Jack Trout and Al Rees came up with the marketing theory in the 60s, 70s, whatever. Uh, they're, they're considered some of, if not the godfathers of modern marketing. There's another guy from the, I don't know, I'm not going to rabbit trail. I, I'm going to make myself sound stupid just because I can't recall them right off the bat. I mean, really the father of modern marketing is Edward Bernays, um, but we're not going to talk about that, and you guys aren't ready to hear that. So um, the... Uh, the rule of three in marketing, right? There's there's a couple different ones, um, but um, and and if you're a marketer or if you are a top level executive, you know what I'm talking about. There's rules of threes everywhere. Um, I mean, even universally in the actual universe that we live in, there's there's just a commonality with the number three. It's it's crazy. Um, so the main rule of three. Where in each, in any given industry, when the dust settles, after a new industry is born, when the dust settles, there are three main companies that take up the vast majority of market share. Uh, I, I'm talking about like 90%. 90% of any given industry that you look at right now, and I would even argue to say it's like 95%, especially with modern marketing tactics. I mean, we're getting to close to 98%. I mean, holy, like, um, any given industry, there will be th three, the three biggest um, companies that are taking up like 98% of this market share. So there's, and then there's th the three categories are the best or the first, right? So in, in soda, it's always the first one you can think of in any industry. So if I say soda, soda, what are you thinking of? I'll give you two seconds. You probably already are thinking about it. It's Coke. Coke is the first company to come to mind, you know, when people talk about positioning and, you know, whatever, 
um, positioning and oh, I have a position in the market. I got this plan. That's what they're talking about. Uh, what position are you taking? Because there are positions. That's just human psychology. That's just human behavior. There are positions. You have to choose one and you have to plan. That's just marketing. Deal with it. Suck it up. Coke spends a lot of money to continue to be in that position. Because again, nothing's finite. I think that people don't realize how malleable business is. I never realized that. I didn't realize that a couple years ago when I first got into this game. It's crazy. It's just a big monster. Uh, it's just a big mosh pit. I mean, it's a constant battle. So anyway, stop getting unfocused, Caleb. Oh my gosh. The rule of three, right? What's the second? Uh, and I, I guess I should say the first, when you're the first or the best, you position yourself in that way, or it just happens to be that you hold that position and then, uh, and then you can continue to maintain that position. So again, Verizon, uh, the the Cokes, the um, um, what else? The um, what are other industries? The Toyotas of the world, the Steams, uh, the Minecrafts, the um, Apples. I guess I don't know. When it comes to computing, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into that because I, I know that I know that. I don't know. Anyways, point is, those are the people. Usually, they hold 30 to 60% of the market share, I think. Did I say 30? I'm in 40. 40 to 60% of the market share out of the 90%. Um, I think it's just in general, actually. 40 to 60% of the total market share in any given industry, roughly, obviously, because you can't 100% come up with perfect statistics. Anyway, uh, the second one, the cheap. The cheap. Is it the cheap? I'm going to mix these two up in terms of market share, but the cheap and the different are the ones that take up the second and third most amount of um, market share. So we're, I think we're talking about 20 to 30% for the cheap and then 8 to 17% for the different, something like that. So the cheap is your AT&Ts, your, what it used to be Sprint, your Crickets, Cricket Wireless, your, your Mint Mobiles. Your, what about in cars? Your Hondas? I don't know. Because um, when it comes to the car industry, it's it's so big, you can't even just say that. There are so many different spectrums. There's so many different types of customers. Uh, um, I don't know. I'm talking about stuff that is kind of a little bit above, um, uh, not my understanding, but kind of my my pay grade, I don't really understand the psychology behind it. I just know what works. I mean, I'm just a marketer. I just know how to make money. So those those are the cheaps, right? Then the, the difference are like T-Mobile. The difference is, there's another purple one, purple mattress. That's a, that's a great different one, right? You have all these different mattresses that are exactly the same. You got cheap mattresses like your sleepies um, or sleepy, the, the, Department store, I don't know, but you know what I'm talking about. I think I think you can pick up a pattern at this point. You got the best, the cheap, and the different. Best, cheap, different. Best, cheap, different. Those are the top three market shareholders in any given industry. Any, any. It's just, it's not it's it's not a theory. It's not a strategy. It's literally just an observation. It's a crazy observation. 
It's if you look at every industry, you'll you'll see this to be true. So um, instead of seeing this AT&T website scroll over and over and over, uh, unique value proposition. That's where I was. That's where I was. And Hollywood, right? Because last time I said I was going to talk about Hollywood this time. Um, so I, I'll touch on that. Um, I really think that could be in an episode uh, in and of itself. But the unique value proposition. So you can't just okay. Now that I've established this, you can't just have a value a unique value proposition. You can't just say, "Oh, I'm the cheap. I'm I'm the different one." And then you can't just have a website that looks nice. In theory, you could do all of that stuff. You need my whole point. Where I was trying to get to is you need to have uh, operations down. You need to have management, HR. Uh, HR is in not. I'm not talking about the department. I'm saying you need to have the right people in place. Um, you need to have people you can trust that are working for you or for this idea, this company, this foundation. You need to have, if you're a commodities business, are you selling oil, you're selling parts, um, raw materials, et cetera. So you need to have good, a good supply chain uh, it, because, again, in business, you have to have, uh, you have to make a profit. I mean, how else, how else are you going to sustain anything, really, at that point? So there's a lot more that goes into this than just unique value proposition. So my ultimate point, circling back, hello, yes, we made it. You, well, me, I, I, I've seen a lot of um, happy entrepreneurs in my age group that just are kind of, they have a dream, they see this unique value proposition, think, oh, this is a great idea. And, you know, saying this is a great idea is already a death sentence. I mean, that's a whole other thing. You need to be well-versed in a lot of different things. You have to have acumen. You need to fill in, have partners where you you fall short in terms of your skills, in terms of what you can do. Uh, you, you can't manage your time to be able to do all of this stuff to make a business function. And you definitely... Ultimately, you just can't you, you can't rely on just a unique value proposition, okay? So that, that all that stuff comes in place first. But does the chicken come before the egg, or does the egg come before the chicken? Do you need to have a unique come up with a unique value proposition before you can solve for an entire business model? No. So in marketing, probably one of the biggest lies ever is that you need to have it all figured out before you start selling. One of the biggest lies in the entire world. This is what, well, really, this is where a lot of people get lost. And this is where a lot of people fail in their business. This is where a lot of people go homeless because they didn't realize this from the beginning. Is you don't need to have it all figured out to make money or to have a business. Pre-selling, pre-selling. It literally means, hey, I, I got this. I got this thing. Do you want it? No. Are you kidding me? And for some people, for some people listening, that hits 
that hit that hits hard and i honestly i really feel bad for you um i i feel for you i feel with you because i've been there so what does that mean you spent three years building something you spent two hundred thousand dollars three hundred thousand dollars how many people did you ask wanted this stupid thing one person and maybe it's not even that extreme maybe you literally asked 10 people maybe you asked 20. well i'm here to tell you that you have to ask a thousand people and yeah it's not that hard it's really not that hard for what you want going from where you are to the next level and you never have to worry about money again I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a hypocrite when it comes to this. I mean, I, I didn't do this for a long time, and I, I kind of realized this a little later. Um, I hope that that didn't get into the uh, – oh, oh, that just started. I just now had a um, um, a, a thing go off for um, um, an, an, an alarm. So, okay, <clears throat> to, to come up with shorts because um, – and that's a whole other thing, right? That's part of what – I do with Web3 Insanity. Again, uh, um, not again for the first time. Web3insanity.com. If you're interested in working with me to solve your marketing issues. And if you want consulting on software development. Anything that is web-related. I don't do manufacturing. I mean, I could, I could, but I really focus on digital companies who want to take advantage of the Web3 revolution. I, I really do in, in Web3, as I had defined, it's the next generation of the internet. So anything internet-based. I mean, we're Web2 experts working on the next version of whatever interface it is that we're going to be interacting with the, with the internet, with, with, with each other. Because again, it, the internet is a network that connects everyone. But... Not true. Look at Twitter. Look at Facebook. It's it's a network that disconnects all of us. How ironic is that? So, don't want to get off track here. Um, because I don't want to leave the people that are struggling hanging. You know, not that I have all the answers. The, the, the point is pre-selling. And pre-selling is vastly different than scamming scamming is promising somebody something taking their money and never fulfilling never newsflash in the real world and all of the biggest companies in the entire world do this png does this it's part of it's this is customer discovery this is, this is value discovery You say, here, do you want this? Would you pay for this? And they say, yeah. You just got validation. I mean, sometimes it's not that easy. I mean, there are a lot of, there's a lot of trial and error, which I found. Um, a lot of the trial and error is you, you could, you'll ask people, you'll say, hey, would you spend five bucks on this? You know, it's a, it's a, it's a new kind of sponge. 
and it'll clean your dishes better. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, would you, uh, you know, it actually exists. Would you want to spend a dollar with me right now? And, um, you know, I'll put you on the, on the, on the waiting list. Ah, uh, you know, I actually, uh, I didn't know I was going to be spending any money today. I just thought I was doing customer discovery. I mean, this, this is customer discovery. <laughs> you know what I'm, you know what I mean? So that's actually happened to a lot of people. So, um, there is a little bit of trial and error. What I'm saying is theory. You have to go out and practice and just see what I'm talking about. And then you'll understand it's a little bit of a game, but pre-selling, pre-selling, changing your mindset, not changing, not change it, change it now, change it now, scrap your old mindset, take this new mindset I just gave you because it's not even mine. It, this, this has been the mindset of successful business people for the last, well, as, as far as we know in, in recorded history. So unique value proposition, dude, shut up. If you don't know that people actually care and people are following and, and people are tracking with what you're doing and are interested genuinely in what you're building, you don't have a, a of a business you don't even have a potential business and again this is this is really hyper targeted towards people spending a lot of money building something without having asked more than 10 people or even just one because in some cases you can just ask 10 people and it'll be okay uh like building an agency because really it, it takes one client to get a better sense of what this game looks like and what people are looking for. With an agency, you can be a little more fluid because really with, with an agency, you have access to a whole repertoire of tools. You have a whole suite of things you can pull from. And you're just really looking for what the issue is. You're, you're looking at the client and saying, hey, look, what are you going through? What are you going through? Can I solve this with software? Is it a marketing issue? Is it something with the internet? Is it an operations? Are you having an issue with one of your employees? Are you having an issue with one of your partners? Is there discord at home? You know? Uh, because that's something I've been negligent with, uh, with the services that I offer with Web3 Insanity is helping the entrepreneur and meeting them where they are where they are mentally, spiritually, do they need coaching? I think I've been very negligent with that because this isn't just a business transaction. I mean, you're, you're, you're really, you're changing somebody's life. And I mentioned Discord at home. There are so many factors that could contribute to the success of the business and you uh, need to become the ultimate tool for your business. You need to be high performing. So unique value proposition. I know I keep saying that over and over, but a marketer's best tool is repetition. So Damn, I'm not really going to get to that Hollywood thing. I will next time. I know I promised it last time. Not that anybody cares if I mention it, but I just thought it was interesting with the whole writers guild strike whatever. It just sucks because I got to wait till season 
2025 for season five of Stranger Things. So that's really what I'm kind of pissed about. But other than that, unique value proposition, that's it. That's it. This stuff, this stuff is simple. It's not easy. I want to be clear. I'm not saying it's easy. Um, I will say when you get over a lot of the uh, initial obstacles, a lot of the stuff is easy. Um, and I mean, I'll admit, I'm not like a, I'm not, I'm not like a multi multi millionaire. Um, and even at that, that's that's still a low level. Uh, once you get to, I don't know, I I, I don't know. I'm just pulling this out of you know thin air 30 50 70 million um once you get to that point uh then you then a lot of the stuff that it took to get there is easy so that's why they say a lot of rich people can't can't go broke um i'm talking about the the people that actually did go through it i'm not talking about the 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 the, the mommy's boys that you know and that's the wrong word <laughs> for it but the the people that basically their parents paid for everything, and they inherited their wealth. Um, which you know, no hate. My thing is just it. There's a high correlation with those people tending to not be well polished. I don't know what it is. I'm not claiming to know. Um, but data doesn't lie. So, um, I'm saying people that know how to make that money, they just they can't lose it. They can't lose it because what they did to get to that point already did it. Mentally, when you do something that was very hard and very uncomfortable and just felt not natural to do, it's easy to do it again. That's why criminals find it so easy to, to commit crimes again, uh, statistically. I think there's psychology behind that. I don't know what, what it is, but I'm, I'm what I just told you, that, is, that literally is the psychology behind it. That's 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 the whole thing. I mean, I could drag this out and just keep using filler words, but that that's really what it is, right? So uh, I'll end it there. Um, I just want to make sure I covered all the bases with that. Web three insanity, web three insanity dot com. Right now, if you go onto the site, it's almost a manifesto for web3. I've been trying this out. I as a marketer, I love AB testing. Um not at first and sometimes I just kind of do it because I have to. I I have a design that I like, but you know, forget what I like. Doesn't matter. And it has a little bit of an influence, right? You you can compromise uh I'm sorry. You can stay true to what you want and not compromise at all um there are some cases where you you really you almost really should and people who are going to enjoy your product or service anyway but for the most part when it comes to what you're building for people what people find useful the value creation you have to listen to people and that's that's what a b testing is if you if you break it down that's literally all it is do they like this or do they like this? Or do they like C? Or do they like D or E? It's it's removing your ego and being like, okay, what do what do people actually want? Because at the end of the day, I mean, ultimately, 
And foremost, marketing is finding out what people want and giving it to them. And if you're giving them something that they don't want, newsflash, this might rub you the wrong way. You're not going to make any money. They're not going to pay you a dime. If you create something that's cool, you spend you spend $100 million on it. And people are like, wow, that's so cool. But there's not a single use for it. Guess what? You're not going to make any money. There's no way around that. There's just there's just no way around that. That's something that a lot of people just don't understand. Doesn't matter how much money you you invested in it. It doesn't matter. You can build something for zero dollars and zero cents, and people are gonna like it. So again, that's what pre-selling is. It's selling people on an idea, and if they like the idea, then you build it. And um, so why Web three? What's what's the difference with Web three? Besides the manifesto, because I think that um, – I'm honestly going to redo the manifesto, I think. I mean, that what I have on the website is a comment that I made on somebody's uh, post on LinkedIn. Somebody who I won't say their name, um, but eventually I'm going to start saying names because I am so tired of these – I'm so tired of these scammers. I'm so, so tired of these scammers. I really am, uh, and I am passionate about this. Uh, but this this grifter was um, positioning himself as a high level Web three influencer, and he's helping all these people, and he's he can answer all these questions, and he's the Web three guy. Um, but he doesn't know what he's building. He's not building anything. He's just building his own personal brand, and he's making money from it. So I, I just I can't stand by and let people get scammed. I mean, in the real world, you, you when you find a scammer. You you call them out. So anyway, anyway, I I took that comment uh, from that guy's post, right? Maybe he has a change of heart now. You know, maybe you know it's been a few months. Probably not. Maybe I don't know. So the Web three edge is you can literally ask people what they want. You build a community. Everything's community-driven. You build out in the open. Everything's transparent that way. And this is the hard sell of Web3 right here, is the transparency. So we live in a world where people want to protect all their assets legally. They want to – it's almost like they want to go to court. They want to sue people. That's not really the case, right? I just I just say that. Um, it's just that they – want to have as much of a unique value proposition as possible. So now we live in a world where you can protect your assets with uh, with the law, your intellectual property. And that gives you even more leverage because that's not a unique value proposition that anyone can replicate because anyone can replicate a process. That's what happened with McDonald's. McDonald's is um, value proposition was that they could give you a burger in like 20 seconds or seconds or i don't know it, it was a very short amount of time a minute um unheard of at the time uh there's actually they depicted this well um i mean as, as far as i 
am aware. I mean, I, I'm not an expert on Ray Kroc, um, but um, in Founder Inc., I think it was Founder Inc., like the movie with um, that dude who played the Vulture in, in Spider-Man. I don't know. Um, that that guy. That guy. Um, I forgot his name. I don't know. He always plays like this dad character. Um, he's a good actor. So in that movie, they depicted that um, he stole the idea. Um, but this 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 company out of California, um, it doesn't matter. The whole point is that it took 20 seconds to create this this cheeseburger, and that's a process. You can't really replicate a process like that, um, or at least the idea of it. You know, because along came, and I don't know at the time. I mean, now Burger King, Wendy's, etc. Now. People make sandwiches very quickly, and then eventually that wasn't. They became a standard, and then eventually people forgot about how quickly these these sandwiches can be made, and then up comes Chick Fil A with their drive through, right? So this stuff changes all the time. Like I said earlier, this stuff changes all the time. You need to constantly innovate. You need to outperform yourself. You are in competition with yourself, and you always have to figure out a unique value proposition. Guess what? All of these big companies spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions, if not billions, on market research. But what is market research? It's finding out what people want because it changes all of the time. It changes all of the time. If you look at 1975, what McDonald's was selling, and you look at it, I mean, literally, look at it right now. We're going to look at this together. Menu, 1975. <clears throat> Basically, the question is, would it sell now? So I'm looking at this. Um, forget the prices, because if you saw these prices, you would say, hell yeah, I, I, I'm, I'll buy 10 of them. Hamburger, 15 cents. Cheeseburger, 19 cents. French fries, 10 cents. Milk, 10 cents. French fries, 10 cents. Milkshake, blah, blah, blah. So remove all of that. If you look at it, at the branding, it just, it just kind of looks plain. Again, this is kind of a hard idea to get across because a lot of people are going to be like, oh, well, obviously – uh it's mcdonald's it's retro it's like if they brought this back it would be like a campaign okay martha from michigan the point is mcdonald's um well what about we replace the name now it's called like ronnie's right it's ronnie's um and it's just some ribbon and it looks like it looks like it's from the 70s um, the prices are today's prices, so like five dollars for a for a cheeseburger, and like six dollars for a large fry. Just jacked up prices. Um, it wouldn't sell today. It, it just it, it wouldn't sell today. I know this is not a good example. You know what's a better example? Ooh, you know what's a better example? Cell service. So singular or cellular or what was it? Uh. Singular? Was it singular? Um, selling, and then Nokia, you know, selling a flip phone. And they're selling it for 
Are you going to buy a flip phone for 300 bucks? Something that's really old. Something that uses like 1G or 2G cell service. Um, the answer is no. Okay? Stop, stop trying to be smart. I know that some people are like, oh, stop trying to be smart. You wouldn't. You wouldn't because things change all the time, right? And that's a dumb example to some because it's like, oh, like, obviously, like, you know, we got smartphones today and it's like iOS 17's coming out. Like, the point is things change all the time. What people want changes all the time because the surrounding world, the macro changes all of the time. And people spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on market research just to find out what people want today because it's different than what they wanted yesterday. So that's my point. Um, but what was my ultimate point? McDonald's, right? Everybody copied their process. So now what people want today, they didn't want, they don't want today what they, what they wanted back then because it changed. Now we come to a point where drive-through times are very slow. That's why Chick-fil-A, oh, and this connects to my earlier uh, example or really point. Chick-fil-A and and uh, and drive-through times. Oh, and uh, uh, um, unique value proposition, right? You can't just have a unique value proposition. If Chick-fil-A was like, okay, we got we got fast drive-through times. Oh, okay, and everybody just comes through like, okay, great, great. I don't know what that means. Um, and even if their friends tell them, yeah, they have great uh, drive-through times, and uh, uh, and you go through. And they're selling pickle sandwiches. You know? It, okay. They're selling chicken sandwiches now. They're selling chicken sandwiches. Uh, but the inside of the store is dirty. There's literally cockroaches running across the, the, the floor. Are you still going to eat from there? No. Their drive through time's fast because nobody's ordering from that place. So... No, you can't just have a unique value proposition. You have to build, look at the complete competitive landscape, see what people are, are already building because you're not special, okay? To the people that need to hear that because, you know, everybody's special. You know, I, I, I love everybody like, you know, but you're not special, okay? The solution you're building, um, it already exists. It, it, it was built yesterday. It was built three weeks ago. Unless you're on the bleeding edge of some industry, which you could be. And it's not that hard to do that. But when you're starting out, a lot of times, and even when you're, when you're rolling in cash, um, you're not that. You're not that. So competitive landscape. Who else is doing this? Who else? is doing this thing that I'm trying to do and saying, okay, let me just figure out what it is that uh, other people like about what these people are, are doing. Uh, at the core, I mean, really, what is it that they're solving? The innovation curve is, okay, can I solve this in a, in a different way? Chick-fil-A. I don't really know how Chick-fil-A started, but I, I'd like to imagine that this is how they started. Okay, McDonald's, uh, Wendy's, okay, great. Uh, not healthy and too complicated. There are too many items on all of these whatever, right? 
but are people just going to buy our sandwiches because they're chicken sandwiches? Nope. Okay, so... Um, what do we do, guys? Uh, well, we're Christian, so let's tell more people about that. Okay, so now they're the Christian company. And they have great drive through times. Of course, people are going to spread the news. Um, now they're known as uh, homophobic chicken in a lot of places. Um, but they have such a strong brand that they, without even trying, have flipped that around. People see it as the homophobic chicken place, and those same people buy from Chick-fil-A. How crazy is that? It's because of marketing. It's because it doesn't matter if you rub people the wrong way. Brand recognition is the biggest thing. I should, I, I you know, you shouldn't rub people the wrong way. Um, I, I, I'm not saying that, but um, I'm saying that brand recognition is very powerful, and that's just a testament to that. And again, unique value proposition. Unique value proposition. You can't just be different. You have to play the game. You just, you just have to. I mean, it's like it's, it's, it's just obviously it's obvious for me to say this from an outside standpoint. Maybe you've gone through a lot of frustrations and a lot of different um, and ups and downs, but that's the that's about the size of it. So, uh, unique value proposition. There was something else I wanted to I wanted to cover, but that I, I'm going to leave it at that because um uh oh one more thing one more thing transparency and Web three. So again, people are like, I don't understand. What's the deal with Web3? Why is it different? What does that mean? Should I care? I don't care. Well, you should. And it's because the world, whether you like it or not, is regressing back into communal thinking. And communal thinking, or really communal marketing, as someone that I spoke to recently um, had coined um, that term some years ago, which, I mean, that's super unique. But um, I'll give him the claim to fame. He said he, he came up with it in 2004. Um, I just think it's a great name for Web3 because it is communal marketing. We as a society are regressing to communal thinking, which is good. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, I do think it's going to be controlled for a little bit. Um, whole other topic, rabbit trail. Maybe not even for this podcast. <laughs> um Communal thinking is has led us to Web3. So Web3 started as a response to what's happening now, which is corporations and every, uh, forget that. What I just told you, IP, everybody holding IP and intellectual property, everybody hiding their secrets and being all so secretive and everybody's got these, these recipes they don't want to share. McDonald's has got their secret sauce for their Big Mac. Um... Web3 is the opposite, so it's not living in fear. It's living in uh, almost trust. It really is just trust. In code, we trust. Um, so you're building out in the, in the open. You're building out in the public. You're building an army. So you're telling your community everything, and it's all out there. Not only is your community there to back you up, whether uh, to, to see that you were the first person, the blockchain is there to back you up. If you print something, um, that's that's the wrong way to say it. 
<laughs> if you do anything and you put it on the blockchain, it is immortalized. It is on the internet forever. Nobody can manipulate that. Nobody can take that from you. And in one year from now, the government has to recognize that as legal. They have to. At the rate that the blockchain, that, that blockchain tech is, is growing and being accepted, they have to accept it. It's the way that the world is moving, and the government itself is literally going to fall behind. It's going to be left behind with the old world. It, it has to. This is beyond any technology we've seen. The government was already very slow to adopt the internet in the first place. Um, a lot of municipality websites, uh, I'm sorry, a lot of municipalities, a lot of counties, a lot of towns still don't have a website and guess what the correlation is those are some of the poorest towns in the entire country if you're not on the internet you do not exist you do not exist you don't you don't but what if i no no you don't exist uh, nope so is <clears throat> that that's 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 what web one it was. Web two was I got to be on this on social media, right? Or I don't exist. What, uh, web three is I got to be on the blockchain or I don't exist. Uh, so my point is building up in in the open, right? So uh, it's a new way of doing things, right? So it's it's a it's a it's a world, and you should be happy about this. As somebody who's in business, people should be thrilled about this. I mean, why would you not like this? We're moving into a world where it's okay to build out in public and everything's transparent and you can literally ask people what they want and they will tell you. It's, it's a mutual agreement, really. It's a contract. That's what this is. It's, it's a smart contract. That's literally what they call these. Uh, the blockchain is built on these smart contracts, which... I think the technicals are it's just it's it's a lot of fancy scripts, but it's there to make sure that the two parties get what they want. Um, and smart in every regard of it. I mean, it's it's the it's the smartest technology, um, ever. Um, the blockchain is is the most advanced uh, computer technology that we've, uh witnessed in the entire history of the, of the world since the Turing machine was invented in 1920 by Alan Turing, 1920-something, um, which was the original computer, pretty much. Um, and um, it's, it's, it's the future. It's the future. It's not because, oh, because NFTs, because, oh, because everybody else says it's the future. It's the future because of everything I just told you. And I barely talked about technology. I, I barely talked about it in this episode. I barely, barely talked about it because Web3 is not about the technology. In fact, the technology behind Web3, the whole purpose of the technology is to not have any technology. It's, it's, it, Web3's technology is how do i say this i'm trying to use the word seamless 
it's so seamless that it's invisible. You don't even know that it's there. That's Web3. You're just making money. Or you're just enjoying a product. Or you're not getting data that you don't want reaped. Uh, uh, reaped um, or I should say uh, um, gathered. Or stolen, really. Um, both sides win. Both the the seller and the buyer. This is a seller and buyer's win, uh, Web3. So again, asking people what they want and giving it to them, that's marketing. Unique value proposition. That was really the point of the, of all of this. It's, it's unique value proposition. You can't just have one. You got to be able to back it up. You got to be able to promise people something and sell it to them. Otherwise, it's a scam. That's what FTX was. I mean, that was, that was a whole thing. I'm just pulling a coin out of thin air. And it's, I'm not going to talk about that today. Um, I think I, did I mention it last time? I don't, I don't remember. Um, <clears throat> so unique value proposition. That's it. If you want me to help you, that's what I do with Web3 Insanity. I, I help with anything internet. I'm a digital marketing agency that helps digital companies take advantage of the Web3 revolution. What is Web3? It's everything I just said. Web3 is the next generation of the internet. Web3 is doing something for someone else without expectation of return, but in doing so, get a greater return than if you had done so in a Web2 way. What is Web3? Web3 is Web2 excellence. But now it's community driven, everything community driven, literally asking your customers what they want. What a crazy concept. Web three is really web zero, which means before the internet even existed. Web two, it just, it doesn't make any sense. Just taking people's data, people that don't want it and then selling them something that they probably aren't going to buy because that's kind of what's happening right now. Despite what marketers tell you, despite what the doomsday uh, naysayers or however you say that tell you people are just tired of being sold to people are tired of getting their data stolen and crazy concept when you are honest with somebody and you get into a genuine contract with them and say hey look can I take your data can I ask you some questions to make this product better and people do this already I mean web 3 is an old concept I mean you already saw this in web and web 2 but it really is Web3. That is literally what Web3 is. So that's Web3. Web3insanity.com. If you want me to, I keep, I keep wanting to say this. If you want me to hold your hand, because really you can do this. You can do this. I've just done it before and I can help you. Because marketing... It's not about knowing things. It's about unknowing things. It's about forgetting everything you know and removing your ego and saying, let's let the data talk. That's literally what marketing is. So um, I'm Caleb. This is Web Talks. And maybe next time we'll talk about Hollywood. Until then, long live Web3.